0: Buddy, Christmas is almost here. Um, yeah, love it. And many of us are going to be gathering on Christmas Day with friends, with family. Uh, we're going to be having Christmas parties here this morning with our church family starting at uh, 11 o'clock. But normally what we do, or at least a part of what we do in those gatherings is we exchange presents. Is that right? You give presents? Do you receive presents? And if history is any indication, then some of the presents you're going to get are going to be wonderful. Haven't you ever gotten any wonderful presents? Thoughtful. Great. But if history is any indication, you'll also get that present. That one that you really aren't sure what it is or why you got it. Fruitcake comes to mind. How many of have ever gotten fruitcake at Christmas? And try to put a smile on it. and Yeah. So before I launch into my, my talk today, I thought I would help you. I thought I would equip you with the top eight things to say. When you receive maybe today or maybe on Sunday that gift that is less than desirable. So usually a top ten is done, but I only have eight. So you ready for the top eight? I want to take notes because you might need this here we go if you get that gift this week you can say number eight well well now there's a gift (laughs) totally truthful we're christians totally truthful thing to say or number seven you could say no really i didn't know there was a chia pet tie oh wow and it's a clip-on too Number six response when you get that gift this week. You know, I always wanted one of these. Jog my memory. What's it called again? (laughs) We haven't even got to the top five. The number five thing to say if you get that gift and there's an awkward silence in the room is, you know what? I'm going to find a special place to put this. The number four response, when you get the gift that no one wants to get, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. (laughs) Number three response, and it's such an interesting color too. (laughs) All right, the top two responses you need to be armed with just in case, You get that gift today. You might get it during our gift exchange. Or this week is this. Number two, you say that it was the last one. Am I glad you snapped that baby up? (laughs) And I am because it saved other people from having to get it. So it's good. And finally, drum roll. The top response to give to someone when they give you That gift this week is you shouldn't have. (laughs) No, really. I mean it. You really shouldn't have. (laughs) So you got something out of this morning. So there you go. You've been armed and equipped, ready for anything that might happen this week. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about a gift that you never have to rehearse a response for, a gift that you'll never look at and say, oh, man, it's actually the greatest gift that has ever been given to any one of us. And Christmas is the time when that gift was given. It's the time when God himself, God the Father, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to be born in the world as an expression of his unfailing and relentless love. That gift is thoughtful because it meets our greatest need, our need to be reconciled to God. That gift is priceless because it was purchased with the blood of God's own son. And that gift is timeless, timeless, never wears out. Because the grace of God is never ending. At the heart of Christmas is love. God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave his son the greatest gift that we celebrate today and throughout this week. So I want to remind everybody just for a few minutes today of three things about this gift of love that God gave. This gift of the Son of God to all of us. So you have some notes? You can write them down here. Point number one, God's gift of love was right on time. was right on time. Have you ever received a present from someone that you just could not believe the timing of it? Like, I had a great need for this. How did you know? How did you know that I needed this? I mean, it could not have come at a more perfect time maybe because you were going through something and it met a need in your life and it was as if the giver knew exactly what you wanted well that's the timing of God when he sent his son into the world the book of Galatians talks about it in chapter 4 it says but when the fullness of the time had come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons from the moment creation was shattered by sin. God was planning. Even before that, God was planning to send his son into the world to save us from our sins. But he was waiting For just the right timing. You ever wonder about the timing of Jesus coming into the world? I mean, why didn't God send Jesus? An hour after Adam and Eve sinned. I mean, you guys sinned. You need a savior. Here's Jesus. Why didn't God send Jesus into the world uh, just after the children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea? And and now here's Jesus. And now now we can be forgiven of our sins. Why did Jesus not come a, a month before the children of Israel were captured and carried away into the Babylonian captivity? Why didn't he come last week? Why did God pick the timing of 2,000 years ago uh, on that day in that place. I want to talk to you about that because God knows exactly what he's doing when he sent Jesus and when he answers your prayers today. His timing is always perfect. There were three things happening in the world when Jesus came. There were three cultures, three nations that were uh, influencing the known world uh, at that time. First of all, of course, was the Jewish nation, God's ancient people. And God had chosen Abraham, given him a promise, all of his descendants that uh, one day the Messiah would come from them. But, you know, from the time that, that uh, God gave that promise, it would be 1,600 years until Jesus came. God waited until this group of people, these these Jews, these Israelites, had had 1,600 years to discover that they needed a Savior badly. The Old Testament is the story of people trying to keep God's law and failing, trying to keep God's law and failing, being faithful to God for a while and then falling away. And, and, and the whole time it's preparing a whole society for, man, we can't do this. We can't keep this law. We need a savior. When is the Messiah going to come? And throughout that 1600 years, God gave them uh, all kinds of things to remind them of what the Messiah was going to be when he did come through types and shadows and, and through the ceremonies where they would uh, offer sacrifices over and over again. So God was preparing them, and God knew and they needed more than 800 years, more than 1,200 years. This was the right time to do it. But it was also the right time because those Jews weren't in one place anymore. They had been scattered throughout the known world. And in every city throughout the Roman Empire, there were Jews, there were synagogues. And so when the early disciples went around telling people about Jesus, it was pretty easy. I'm just going to go into a town and there'll be a synagogue in this town. Yep. Yep. And I'll go there. And there there'll be people who believe in the one true God, believe in the old Testament scriptures. And some of them will be hungry for the gospel. So I'll head in there. I'll tell them some of them will believe. And then a church will grow and expand from them so god waited just for that moment but two other things were going on too alexander the great had conquered a lot of the known world and then later on the romans conquered the greeks but even though the romans conquered the greeks the greeks left something behind that god knew was needed before he sent jesus you know what it was a universal language Greek was spoken throughout the Roman Empire. Greek was the trade language of today. It would be like English today. If you could learn English, you could probably go to most any country and and find some people who can speak English and and you you could get along there. Well, for the first time ever, this language had been everywhere. So when the early disciples went and preached, they could do it in Greek. And then somebody would hear them. Somebody would understand. they didn't have to learn new languages. They could just go and do it. And then the New Testament was written in that language, which could be universally read by everybody. So what was God waiting for? I'm going to get the Jewish nation ready to go. I'm going to wait until Alexander the Great does this conquering, and, and there's one universal language. And then I'm going to wait until the Roman Empire conquers the Greeks. What did the Roman Empire do? Well, what didn't they do? There's something called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. When they captured everything, they were brutal. And they enforced law. For the first time in in a long time, you could walk from one city to another without robbers just jumping on top of you because they knew that if they messed with anybody, that the Roman soldiers were enforcing the law, and they did it very, very significantly. There were roads that led from city to city. Roman soldiers would build roads. For the first time, you could walk down roads. There was a postal system in place. Or you could write a letter, Paul the Apostle could sit down and write the book of Galatians and send it, and it would get there. So God waited for all of that. Okay, 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 now it's time. The result, man, something happened in the Middle East, and it spread everywhere in just a few centuries. Now, let me tell you something. If God knows how to give gifts exactly at the right time, if he knew how to do it 2,000 years ago, don't you think he knows just the right time for you? You ever prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it right away? And you go, what's going on, God? Well, God knows what's going on. It's like he's moving chess pieces. I got to get him ready, her ready. I got to prepare that. That's going to happen. And then so, and you're not ready. So I got to do this to get you. Is The timing of God, he knows when to answer your prayer. He knows when to bring someone into your life when you're ready. He knows when to take someone out of your life when that's needed. He knows when to do all of that. You can trust him. You can trust him. There's a second thing I want to remind you about this gift of love that God sent to us on Christmas day. God's gift of love brought us into a family. It brought us into a family. Not only did we receive the gift of eternal life, but we received the gift of family. By faith, we can become sons and daughters of God with all the privileges That that entails the great pastor J.I. Packer wrote this about this incredible expression of love being adopted into a family called the church. He said this adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers higher even than justification to be right with God. The judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God. The father is even greater. What a gift to be part of a family. What a gift. What a gift. Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will and the praise of the glory of his grace. I love having a relationship with God. I love being a child of God. But I love being a child of God in a family. Family is significant and important. My wife and I and a bunch of other amazing people planted this church. Uh, Ruth, you were there. We planted this church. How many were here when we planted this church? We have a number of these amazing people that have been here since we planted this church. Thank you. We planted this church um, eight years ago. I think it was eight years ago. I became a Christian when I, in my early 20s. I went into the ministry right away. I spent... 13 years traveling 120 days a year all around the world speaking in churches. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I got to go to, you know, Guatemala and, and I got, Australia, New Zealand. It was great. But I missed out being home every Sunday with my church family. I was always on the road. I'd wake up sometimes in a hotel wondering, where, where am I? And then i have to remind myself, oh, I'm preaching here, and I'm in New York or something. And then I spent, after that, 20 years in a giant church as an associate pastor. And it was fun, and it was wonderful. But to a large degree, I didn't know the people there. There were too many of them. It was just like they're just people in seats. And I knew a handful, but not everybody. When we planted this church I had a great desire to want to have family, church family, not just a big crowd of people, but people I actually know and know me. And we live life together, and we know our faults and our weaknesses, and we care for one another, we love one another. And that sense of family is so significant. I wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China. God wants us to know and be known. That's part of his gift. And here's the point number three. God's gift of love was meant to be shared with others. The most famous, probably the most famous of all the passages in the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It talks about love and it talks about what love is love is patient love is kind and and it encourages us to share god's love with other people how many have read first corinthians 13 you you understand if you've been to a wedding you've heard excerpts of it first corinthians 13 so i'm going to read you a new version of first corinthians 13 this is a christmas version of first corinthians 13 are you ready I'm taking the famous verses, and we're going to make application to what's happening right now in your life. Here we go. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights, and shining ornaments, but I do not have love, I'm just another decorator. If I work hard in the kitchen baking Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Amen, Joanna. My favorite thing. Love is kind even when harried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure. My challenge to you this week is that. It's that. God's gift of love was right on time. God's gift of love brought us into a family and God's gift of love was meant to be shared with others.